0: I appreciate it. I really i i enjoyed the book and everything. And one of the things I immediately got into with just the what what caught my eye is the fact that you mentioned the progression into strength training being completely bilateral, right? And and I'm sure you've talked about it at length with people. And my thing was that why are people still very much obsessed with the Instagram personalities? that don't preach what you preach in your book because I'm because they're still popular. They're still big. They still have very, very accessible programs that don't necessarily. I mean, they they aren't what you preach, which makes more sense. But it's it's the same shit, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I honestly, I think it's a the Instagram population is mainly 20 something year olds. Right. It's from yeah. teenage to about thirty five and that's that's the mating season of life right so we're looking for the uh, the sexy bodies and so they're much more inclined to be doing things that are like fitness competitions and and bodybuilding and stuff because hey, they they want to have offspring and they need to find their mate in life that's true, but though. the un, you know the unfortunate thing it is I, I think there's nothing wrong with that and there's ways in which they could do it potentially that's more functional safer that aren't going to have repercussions later in life because they're not pounding the body in such a way where the wear and tear is going to accelerate. But then you get into your late 30s and 40s, and you're feeling the effects of that type of programming start to break down your body. And now the wisdom starts to seep in to the older athlete and uh, gym goer. And then they're going, okay, I wonder if, if uh, there's a different way of, of skin in this cat. And uh, hopefully, that's kind of where we start to get those people to be a little more informed and educated. And we can kind of talk about what it is to really have fitness and, and function. And you're going to follow that to proper alignment and yeah. balance, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Well, it's the it's, and it's interesting. I've, I've, I wonder how, you know, you, you pass that message along to the younger generation, especially now, because you're right. It's like a primal need. It's like a primal need to look good, to have good aesthetics and naturally I'm still in the mode where it's like you do the bro lifts and you do all the, you know, the, the constant repetitive motion. And even like, even though I'm young now, it's, I feel inflammation. I feel off balance. I'm always like adjusting my shoulders and stuff. So it's, it hits pretty early. I think like, it's not, it doesn't take long for that to catch up with you. If you're, if no, it's just hitting earlier hitting.
1: and yeah, it's hitting earlier and earlier ages because yeah. The, the structural or the, the physical demand of the average person is a lot less than there was 15, 20, 30 years ago.
0: Oh, I, I mean, got you. Yeah, you know, the, sure. the
1: way in which kids play now are organized play dates, um, year round <laughs> sports with high repetitions. Uh, yeah. They don't just run out their backyard and go go climb trees and things like that. Uh, And they spend a lot of time entertaining themselves on their smartphones. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like much, but you start adding up those minutes and they turn into hours, days, weeks, and years. And you're going to find that the structural level of integrity of the average person going into a gym these days is a lot weaker or less off compared to a generation ago.
0: Yeah. It's so it, so it really is about developing simple mobility early on in life, or just letting that happen, as opposed to having to organize it in some way. Yeah. To a certain extent, now, yeah.
1: The cool thing is something that is really developing in our nation, in the world of like sports conditioning, we'll say for youth sports, youth training is LTAD, which stands for long-term athletic development. Mm-hmm. And now we're, we're actually kind of creating this formulaic equation of taking our youth and doing a systematic kind of process to turn them into great athletes. And instead of just throwing them into a weight room and letting the coach say, here are the lifts that you did because this is what I was taught before by somebody else and somebody else. So it's we're, we're breaking that that cycle, that pattern. And we've got a lot of people out there that are doing some great work with long-term yep. athletic development. And, and nations, you know, the Russians have been doing it for a long time. The Canadians, the Koreans, we're seeing it explode on the scene. And the American kind of um, sports conditioning is, is starting to come on, which is nice.
0: So, what, so, the, so the, on the American side, were we kind of late to that? Really? Okay. Well, you know, no, you're right. Because I'd always hear about, you know, you watch documentaries and stuff about maybe the Olympics, or you kind of go dig back into history. And there's always instances of like the Russians are doing this or the whoever is doing this, we need to adopt the same approach. So yeah, you're right. And there's all the names for it, like Russian training or isometric, whatever, you know? So, yeah, we, yeah, I, I think we've that.
1: just been – yeah, we've been into the bodybuilding kind of mentality for a very long time. I and mean, look yeah. at
0: when, – when did the
1: gyms explode onto the scene for the general population? It came in the 80s after we got a dose of pumping iron with bodybuilding. And then, uh, you know, women were getting into the scene of going to the gym, but uh, lifting weights was not very – was not very feminine. So they put them in an empty room and started music and had them dancing. And next thing you know, we got aerobics, right? So we we started kind of changing how we looked at fitness and conditioning. And then we took those elements, and we just threw them on top of sports conditioning. Hmm. So when, when you look at the average, I'll say 10 years ago, the average strength program for like a football team, that you know there's certain lifts that like you call them your bro lifts that are <laughs> yeah. into into your conditioning program and sure. it's still to this day if i look at a program i'm going to see uh, there's going to be bench press and bicep curls those are going to be the top ones and there's going to be squats which you know we can talk about squats um the good and bad points of, of okay. squats but if we look at like a football player when do they ever need to lay on their back and push weights off the ground or push a body it's when they're tackled and they're trying to get out of the pile well, the play's already over. So what good is that in terms of performance and a bicep curl? I mean, when do you actually lift a player up into a curl or when is that <laughs> all movement the time? Actually... Oh, yeah, exactly. I always do. That. <laughs> I can see the linemen really needing to do a lot of squats because they're in a three point stance. They have to be explosive. So the Olympic lifts and, and, the, and the squats, that's really some great basic strength. But what about what happens when one leg goes forward compared to the other? So are we doing things like that? And the answer is no, but now we are. We're starting to see that a little bit more. We're starting to get more sport specific in terms of movements and mechanics. And can we load the body? Can they actually move in and out of these positions with load, with with ease of movement? Uh, But when it comes to like long-term athletic development, back to that, like there was a time, I don't know if you watch the PGA or not, but there was a time where suddenly there was a whole bunch of Korean PGA players that are making the toy. yeah, Yeah, right? Yeah.
0: For real. So if yeah. you
1: look, what was Korea doing? Well, they had long-term athletic development. They have a junior golf program out there where they are taking kids and they're actually taking them to these academies and facilities, like the British Premier League will do with soccer players, but they were doing it with golfers. And the next thing you know, like 15 years ago, suddenly all these Korean golfers were coming out of the out of the woodwork because yeah. for the last 10 years or 15 years, they had been doing just that with young Korean. Uh, children and turning them into pga contenders
0: the uh yeah Yeah. like the number one women's competitor she's korean like i i I think but i've seen you know you you see all that stuff like she is and and it's bleeding into everything here so
1: canadians did the same with canadians did the same with a lot of their obviously like olympic winter sports Mm -hmm. but they're a small country population wise compared to the us and russia and some other countries that are in the winter olympics but they're in the top medal round almost every time
0: it's true yeah yeah it's 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 a big influence but and you know you're always told to i think with like the general population you know that you got to start with the squats or the bench press the very standard exercises the bro lifts and everything but you know from your book and from what i was reading it's obvious that you definitely have to assess the situation according to to where the person's at. But should they really, in all honesty, start with those exercises, or is there a better way that they should transfer into exercise as opposed to just starting there?
1: I would just simply ask the question, "Why?"
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, why, it's true.
1: Why? Can you yeah. tell me why that's a good idea? And if it is totally go with that that's a great thing but you got to question it you just can't say hey my buddy took me to the gym and taught me how to bench press and now i'm going to teach you son how to bench press and so on (laughs) and we just take this dogmatic approach and continue generation after generation and, and trying to turn this bodybuilding routine somehow into a basketball conditioning program or just a weight loss program or whatever you know yeah so we just got to question it really is, is the movement that I'm doing going to get me to where I want to be? Is it helping or is it actually hindering me? Now, I love doing bench press, but after 20 years of, of just tearing up from like, from age 16 to age 36, bench press was my go-to. And I love the numbers. I love the PRs,
0: oh, it's and, addictive. Uh, yeah.
1: but I didn't love the wear and tear that eventually happened in my shoulders to the point where fortunately for me i had enough knowledge behind me to do something about it rather than going under the scalpel but that's always a consideration so you know yeah the, the lifts are good it's not that they're bad things but it depends upon the body that's doing it like uh, i don't know i think that bench press is it's one of the competitive lifts right it's one of the power lifts so if you want to be a competitive power lifter yeah. You darn well have to bench press and you have to squat and you have to deadlift. Cause that's so those
0: that's what you're that's doing. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's, it. that's your sport. That's your so you better yeah.
1: train for your sport. So if you're a basketball player, should you be training like a power lifter? That's, that's the question you might want to ask. Like, why am mm. I training power lifting programs to become a better swimmer, a a better, a better cross country
0: skier, right? Do you think that, too many programs still implement things that aren't necessarily sports specific. Cause I still hear from football programs. I mean, there's still high school football players that are, that are hitting it hard with the squats and really de- still developing just basic strength. You know, it's, it's still there. Do you think there's other would like, they need to step away from that? Yes. The basic shit. Just- okay.
1: Straight on. Yes. Okay, Uh, I I agree. I worked with, I I worked with a local high school football team. Fortunately, they were, they were kind enough and open enough to let me in. I looked at their program and it was exactly what you're thinking. It's like a bodybuilding program they're going to do, you you know, and it's guys, you know, let's, let's, let's curl and let's bench, you know, lift heavy crap. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. There's nothing wrong with that. We need that, but that's going to lock your body up on the playing field. If that's all you're doing, So I came in and and redesigned the program. I had them doing a lot of unilateral and contralateral motions because that's what they're doing on the field. We did squats, but we did front squats because I want them to be able to take the force from in front of them and move it somewhere. I don't want somebody climbing on their back, right? So we did front squats. We did split squats. We did different types of lunge directions, not just a forward lunge, but I want to see what it's like for you to be able to stop being pushed backwards. So you're gonna be doing a backstepping lunge and not one where you're <laughs> keeping your weight on your forward leg, but I want you to lunge and put your weight on your back leg and then drive forward. I want you to be able to lunge across to one side, take your left foot and cross over to the right and do the same with the right foot crossing to the left. I want you to be able to shift laterally also because there are lateral shifts on the field. Yeah. So these are all the movements that we're gonna train you. And then on top of that, we're going to do some mobility into those areas so that you have access to actually go into those ranges of motion. And then we can load the body. Now tell you what, I know you love bench press and biceps. So tell, what we're going to do is on Friday that that's going to be game time or, or the day before the game, you go ahead and do your favorite lifts. You know, you go ahead that's and awesome. throw in bench press and curls because you know, you guys need it right. That for your yeah. ego or whatever. Oh, yeah, we'll gotta feed, feed it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But the
1: other four days you're going to do this program. And that team uh, advanced on one game shy of the state finals. They went as far as that team has ever gone in the school's yeah. history. And I don't think it's it's solely because of the conditioning program. That would be too much ego on my part. Well, it's uh, obviously I think they had, it a, had
0: something to do with it for sure. I think I mean, it was an
1: ingredient. Yeah, they yeah. had great coaches, great players, and uh, a great lineup. So, but I think that was. Also, the fact that the athletic trainer didn't run out on the field on most games while the other team had the athletic <laughs> trainer running out every quarter and taking the kid <laughs> off the field. The so, injury rate was substantially less than the year before.
0: And it's cool because it's, it's not complicated because anybody could take your approach and actually logically work through it themselves. They could potentially go into the gym and just sit down and think very clearly about their own daily movements in life, they could be picking up laundry, they could be picking up laundry baskets. So maybe do like a kettlebell lift or something like lift a kettlebell off the ground. Like they, That's a, it, super. Yeah, like maybe it's it seems simple. I and mean, we've lost it. Obviously, it's not, it's not really thought of anymore. But personal trainers, coaches, regular people could just use literally just list out the multitude of daily activities and things that they do and then find the the movement or the exercise that mimics it the most in the gym and it seems like shit like what you said that would be injury prevention as well that would bring you to your to your center you know yeah because
1: think about it i mean that if you put yourself into a position that uh, what's going to happen the nervous system has to fire up Mm -hmm. It's got to teach the body, how am I going to manage the mass of this body against gravity and against the momentum? How am I going to slow it down? How am I going to push it around? And so now you have neuromuscular re-education uh, compared yeah. to the same highly repetitive robotic motions that they continue to do at the gym that develop certain muscles more than other muscles and therefore create this imbalance within the muscular system of their body that pull the skeleton out of an aligned position. And so sure. along that line, all the other things that we talked about, like bodybuilding, uh, power lifting, and Olympic lifting, where most strength... Programs are fundamentally founded on; they don't take that into consideration. It's all about aesthetics and just gross force production,
0: like how much shit oh, yeah. can I lift? Oh yeah, right? always. Oh yeah. But do you ever go
1: to a chiropractor?
0: I, I've been a couple times. It feels great. Ever, I I love. Yeah, I love it. I think I've maybe I haven't been to a chiropractor. I'm trying what about to think about massage. Had, you ever get a I've massage? done massage. Yeah, so that's okay. in my head. That was like that was the same. I did go to a massage and. Thank God it was a lady who had been doing it for years. She was very, right very awesome. well educated with it, but it felt amazing. <laughs> nice. Was- um, Do you ever try yoga? I have. Yeah. I've done yoga before. It's it's these rejuvenating things are like it's amazing why I don't keep doing them. I'll tell you that. Yeah, So
1: their whole philosophy, (laughs) basically all of those that we just mentioned are all about bringing the body back into a really aligned position through either soft tissue work, manipulation or poses. Right. Where we're just trying to bring the body into a balanced state. So, Ian, my question is, why aren't we doing that in the gym?
0: Oh, it's, it's because I think it's what you said. I think the allure of physique is too, is too, um, it's too, you want that, you know, it's. So what if you were to be
1: able, but what if you were to be able to get the physique also, but at the same time, bringing your body into a balanced place where the joints are in their right spot to actually have the proper space in which to move the muscles have a better balance and more pliability. I mean, that's, that's it really what we're talking about. <laughs> it's,
0: it's like, it really, yeah, it it sounds incredibly it, it, like that's That's what I want truly, because you feel it so, so easily. And, and like, you feel the inflammation and the stress and all that stuff, but no, it's, you're right. Like the, the feeling that comes with balancing your body as well as lifting properly it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's more appealing. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really is. The
1: more we get out of alignment, the weaker our structure is. Would you yeah.
0: agree? Okay. Yeah, and then do.
1: if we're using movements and exercise in the gym that are actually pulling us out of alignment, making us weaker while we're trying to get stronger, and even though we are feeling ourselves getting stronger within the muscles, and therefore we load more weight onto our body as the structure is getting further out of alignment, the result is going to be a lot of pain, whether it's in yeah. your lower back, your elbow, shoulder impingement. ACL tear, uh, just ankle uh, locking up on you, plantar fasciitis, you know, all the stuff you go to your doctor and complain about, it may be actually a product of the way in which you're training.
0: Do, Do people need to, when should people consider, and I mean, I imagine just from starting any kind of muscle building program, but how can people manage the wear and tear on their body? Is it just through considerably like just rest and relaxation, but if they're in the gym, are there things they could potentially do to just help themselves work against the possible inflammation?
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, we
0: already mentioned yoga. So if you, could blend in <laughs> you go like some kind of,
1: you know, it's, it's look, it's five to 10,000 years old compared yeah. to the hundred years <laughs> of American fitness. They're onto
0: something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're onto something. I mean, we're we're in the medieval phase of development when it comes to fitness in America. We're still in this barbaric era and Mm. even more so in the last 10 years because now we've got these super high intensity kind of training protocols with bodies that are getting weaker and weaker. You know, it's this weird kind of, um, this oxymoron in a way that as we become less... um, less conditioned as we become more overweight as a nation we think that we can do something really radical to try and combat it by going full force into some kind of high intensity program it's like taking um your toyota prius and putting a formula one engine inside the hood and expecting the chassis to maintain integrity while you're driving around the track i mean we're just going to see more horror that way. But in the gym, yeah. I mean, you, you look at, there's athletes out there. The most obvious one that comes to mind for me is Tom Brady. Yeah. He's 44 years old. He's got 10 Super Bowls behind him, seven wins. Yeah. And what did he do after he blew out his ACL back in 2006? He changed his program completely so yeah. that it's all about pliability, restoration, loading he uses a lot of bands and he he's gotten away from the heavy lifts that slowed him down that restricted his throwing ability and his ability to move granted he's not the fastest guy out in the field he doesn't flush out of the pockets very well but his throwing accuracy his power and the most thing important thing about it is his longevity you're going to see him probably for i would say two three maybe even four more years in the nfl he may be playing till he's 50 if he continues the way he's going
0: I remember when when uh he put out a book, right? Like his book came out, and he started shift. He went completely into this like, d- different world of exercise, and like what you said, the whole balancing, the centering, the the changing up, the doing the bands and everything. I remember when that happened because somebody had told me about it. I was like, "Did you see Tom Brady's book?" I'm like, "No, what's that about?" So yeah, that's no, that's cool. But also too with society, and you said struggling with weight issues and everything. Do you think because dieting always seems to be a huge problem with me and fad diets are always coming through the pipe. Everything is is very much on a plan, a bought plan. And people don't eat enough food in general. It seems like that's the big problem is that they just don't eat enough. So do you think that might be the missing ingredient? Like with whatever you do in the gym, you definitely have to simply just fuel your body Oh, heck yeah, yeah. It just outside of any kind of fad diet, you know, it, it's like nobody, everybody expects to lose weight by eating less calories. And even though that's been preached to not work over and over again, it's still kind of in the in the literature, I guess, or in in the fabric.
1: Honestly, I'd say, and when we're talking to weight loss, twenty percent is exercise, eighty percent is what you put in mm-hmm. your body. It it comes down to that. And until we get to a point where healthy foods whole healthy organic foods are cheaper than fast food we're going to have a problem oh yeah we are it's just a it's a socioeconomic issue and there's so many layers to it that it's just not one simple problem but that would be a good start (laughs) if we could somehow either subsidize farmers in a way where we could drop down the price of of produce and uh and healthy organic meats and those type of things if people are not plant-based and they're they're eating meats and so on if we could find a way to make it as affordable if not cheaper than fast food and make it as convenient as the fast food industry has done in their machine we're going to have obesity continue on i mean no one think about it ian let me ask you in in all the years you've been doing this can you think of anyone in the fitness industry who is leading the charge on obesity? Uh, no. <laughs> no. And I, how I, many it's... more trainers, how many more personal trainers are there um, today than there were 30 years ago?
0: Oh god, it's it's exponential, right? I and mean yet at least we th- are
1: we're so much fatter as a nation. So yeah. it's not because and and how many people have information at their fingertips on their smartphones where they can learn all about diet and nutrition and exercise? It's not for lack of information, it's not for lack of opportunity. It's it's something else.
0: Is it is it literally just because everything became so ego focused with social media and every I mean it really is to me it's Instagram like only Instagram I just see people make their money through Instagram alone like with Heck with yeah. everybody became an online personal trainer and they started doing the classic stuff they started taking pictures of them their bodies and they started showing them off on Instagram and the message never changes like it's always. I, I help women be more confident in themselves or I help men gain muscle and the message never changes. And yet these people are wildly popular and they're doing just fine. Yep. And, I, and I
1: equate those people to the fast food industry.
0: You know, uh, these yeah. are the people that yeah. are
1: making money, making money off of the uninformed.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then why do people why do you think people don't just look up the information for themselves and i think you mentioned it earlier i just time it's just simple (sighs) time you know there was a
1: time where it it took uh the pony express three days to deliver mail yeah right and then the train came along and things sped up a little bit now you can get your mail a little bit sooner and then uh then the postal service had planes and now you can get overnight express mail and so we went from from weeks down to days. days and now we're down to email, which is you know a matter of seconds. Everything has sped up so much in our culture that no one is really slowing it down. And therefore nice. we need instant gratification. Everything is within reach. And that includes the foods that we are choosing. If I can't get it now, I can actually go on my phone and have it delivered to me so I don't even have to move. It just comes to me right it's all of that stuff it's it's a huge juggernaut it's not one thing but time accessibility mm-hmm. and and affordability those are the things that are going against us right now
0: yeah and then uh, amazon too amazon freaking delivers it in your hand just like it's you it in your hand comes into your apartment yeah yeah it's it's to your point everything is accessible everything is is completely at your fingertips and yeah, but but for for real though, the people who have taken the time to just sit down and maybe watch a couple of YouTube videos on fitness, but you know from a few reliable sources, they tend to know more than just the average trainer. And it's amazing what people have talked to me about like some guys who've just done the research I'm like, dude, you, you could be a trainer. like you know already more than most or they've approached it themselves and they've learned about the the process. So it's amazing to me, it's almost like if we brought ourselves away from, the ego-driven type of fitness and just focused on the information at our fingertips, maybe that would counteract the pandemic of obesity in society, you know? Potentially. there's There's yeah. got
1: to be a, you know, in order to create change, it's got to come from one of two sources, inspiration or desperation. And yeah. so you're going to find people that are going to be inspired and, and, and maybe by others doing the same thing. And, and they want to emulate what it is that they're this person has done in terms of changing their life around. And, and that gives them just enough drive to do it. But then there, are the bigger population are the people that just don't pay attention until it's almost too late. And now mm-hmm. out of desperation, they're needing to change. Um, so That's
0: when they buy the program. And that's when they, they that's panic it. and they need a trainer and they need the, the Instagram guy. Or
1: surgical intervention, you know, gastric bypass. Oh yeah, for sure. And so we're not really we're addressing a symptom rather than the underlying problem. But hopefully it's enough of a change where they can start to explore what is the underlying problem, you know, whether it's whether it's eating or joint pain or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, the the a bunch of people are getting the gastric bypass or the gastric sleeve. That's something I've seen. I worked in like a clinic for a second, a, a physical therapy clinic. And so many people, it was interesting. They, they, were, they were going to physical therapy, right? I guess to help with with movement or something. But a lot of them were post-surgery uh, gastric bypass. Like they had the sleeve and everything. So you could tell just looking at them, they're like, you know, they, they shed so much weight so quickly. It's like it just melted mm-hmm. off of them. But it almost seems like, what to, what to your point, it's such a temporary patch, because they're still in physical therapy. And I always had that question. I was like, well, why are you here? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it seems like you tackled the initial problem of losing your weight, but then it always, you're right, it always goes back to the exercise and, and people being misinformed. So I feel like people still try to, to out of desperation, seek out that help, like physical therapy something I, you know, trainer, whatever it may be. So yeah, I mean, a there's lot.
1: 168 hours in a week, and you expect to change by seeing a trainer for an hour, two times a week out of 168, and not do anything else to better yourself. yeah Well, don't don't expect great results. But, you know, to the point you're talking, we have this this pattern of thought where we compartmentalize everything, we separate things apart. Even in anatomy lessons, we'll look at a shoulder and look at how things come together there, but don't take a bigger, broader picture of the whole body as an integrated unit. And the same holds true with like the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual components that make up a person. So if we're only focusing on the physical being exercise and diet without working on the mental, emotional, and spiritual components, then we're we're probably missing out on a lot of of potential growth, change, and real development. So in the in the perfect world, there would be this facility in my mind where you had all of those components together, where you had um, some type of of counselor that is working on your mental, emotional well-being and and growth. You've got support groups with people that are doing the same, that are going in the trenches with you and and are understanding, and maybe they've been through it a little bit and can help you and and kind of just like that, almost like a 12-step support group in a way. Then you've got your trainers that are on a regular basis and almost like you not have to remove yourself from the world in which you're in, Mm. but you have to welcome in this other world that can kind of share in your existence with and you go there and you start to develop and then you take that lesson to the the world outside that is your regular go-to and and do you know what i'm saying it's got to be a comprehensive approach for most people and some people are going to really latch on to this aspect of the Mm -hmm. spiritual component while others go into the physical they'll find out what they need and then they'll start to develop true change and and true health but, well, and, you know.
0: and and yeah, I, I I agree with you because talking to some trainers recently, uh, the big problem, especially with trainers who care and coaches who are really like trying their best, is is attempting to develop intrinsic motivation in their client. And and to your point, you were talking about the well-rounded aspect. I feel like that's exactly what is needed because the mental side is never approach or it's it's harder i just i feel like and, and any including myself i would never it's hard to figure out how to make a client want this more than than they originally did or want to be fit and it's just a question i always have it really it's, it's yeah. a confusing thing for me you know building the intrinsic motivation helping I think up.
1: i think on average trainers try to wear too many hats when it comes to this topic i think that they you know, I don't know many trainers that go and take psychology classes or become a licensed marriage family child counselor, yeah, but but <laughs> yeah. they'll give advice nonetheless. Yeah. And I don't know too many trainers that spend the time in school to become a registered dietitian or a certified nutritionist, like really spend the hours of doing that or, or a spiritual guru for that matter. And yet they want to offer advice in all those fields. I think that you should just do what you do well and yeah. then select a team of qualified professionals and individuals that can create that kind of mandala, that, that comprehensive uh, kind of ring of, of a team. So I'm a movement specialist. I'm not yeah. a dietitian, So I'm not gonna give you an eating plan. That's ridiculous. And I'm not a licensed marriage family counselor, but I know some really good ones that could probably help you through the things you're going through in life. And yeah. if you if you want to explore the spiritual side of life, then there is all these kind of communities that I can put you in touch with. Yeah. But don't expect me to offer all those because that's not what I do. I am the physical component.
0: But it's funny, but because you're offering, you have this... this this circle around you and you're offering the advice of these people, you are helping him, helping them in the best way possible. So it's almost, it's almost like trainers have to think about it that way. Like if you do, if you are connected with the spiritual guru or the family counselor, then you are definitely giving the best advice slash help to these people because you're referring. You know, outward. Ian, yeah.
1: you've just done me a wonderful favor
0: talking this out right now. <laughs> yeah, because,
1: yeah. Now people ask me, so, so what, what do you do or what are you? And I don't tell them I'm a personal trainer because I, I don't really, I don't latch onto that, that label very well because there's, it's been diluted in the field of personal training yeah, that I, I don't want to necessarily be associated with that. Not necessarily a strength coach either. It's more, I'm a personal guide. And I think that's what I'm going to start telling people. And so when it comes to that, I want to guide them into a place where their body feels better. I want to guide them through their restrictions and have their bodies tell us what they, they need and so on. And maybe I can guide them over to a dietitian, nutritionist and guide them to a spiritual person or yeah. a counselor. That That's what it is. I think we should change the title of personal trainer to personal guide because you do you train dogs, you train circus animals. We don't train people. And I don't like coaching either because that puts everyone into this athlete kind of profile when people aren't athletes. Athletes are people that participate in sports and competitions, but there's so many people that don't consider themselves athletes and that's okay. You're just, you're just a person that's trying to live a good life. So why can't we be your guide in that journey? like down the river and through the jungle and and get you past the brambles and onto that that beautiful grassy knoll where you can sit and watch the sunset. So, thank you. Personal no, guide just came.
0: That's cool, but but it's it's the the meaning behind personal guide is cool because it's almost like you're admitting to the person. It's like, no, you're the trainer. Like the client is the trainer. I'm just nudging you in the right direction. I'm just, exactly. I'm just pushing you down the right path. And, and it's, it's your job to go down it. I'm just keeping you on it. Like it's, it's, I, I like the And it's also got a mystique to it. Like if people heard personal guide, the, like what you said, the thoughts that came with being a personal trainer wouldn't necessarily be there. They would think you're something different and they yeah. would understand maybe more what your role is in, in, in their life. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think it redefines what, what, uh, what we're supposed to do as personal trainers or per it, it, personal guides. Yeah.